Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. Well, I was in my happy place the other day because I got to hold tools. I not only got to hold them, I got to use them. <laughs> Now, sometimes I do just hold them sort of for security, but I actually got to use them. John, Mr. Salmon, had a problem with his, well, he calls it a motorcycle, but those of us that are from motorcycle world, it has two wheels, so it has some similarity to a motorcycle. But um, somebody thought they'd be cute, and they spun the mirror. And you'd think that tightening a mirror would be a simple little thing, but it's actually, it takes, it takes tools and you have to know how to get it to stay where you put it. And these were not the perfect tools for the job, but they were tools that would work. This one I could adjust from inches to metric. It was just fabulous, right? It can go to any size. This one, however, was delineated in a half inch and nine sixteenths, but I was working on a Honda, so they're in metric. So it wasn't the perfect tool, but it was a tool that I had. And so together, I was able to fix what needed to be fixed. We're not always the per perfect tool for what Jesus has to accomplish, but often we're the only tool that he has. And I want to encourage you in that as we take a look at our topic today. It's living and walking in the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you in that. Of course, we've been talking about the Holy, Spirit, Holy Spirit's work in our lives through the book of Acts and then... Amy did such, Pastor Amy did such a great job two weeks ago talking about really walking in the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. And then she, she had, didn't she have that balloon illustration, which I thought was just like, I wish I could come up with illustrations like that. It was so cool. And then Pastor Grace last week, one of our supervisors, she talked about walking in kingdom culture. And so I'm going to touch on more of that today. But I want to talk about the idea of being shaped into all that Jesus has for us to be shaped into. And I want to start this a little differently than I did the other two. The cool thing about being in front of people three times is I get to rethink what happened and, you know, the other time. So I'm reworking this just a little bit, but it'll, it'll all work out. How many of you have ever been around somebody who said... Everything happens for a reason. Maybe you said that. Everything happens for a reason. That one always leaves me a little bit short. Well, I am a little bit short. But that leaves me... It, 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 I come up short on that. Everything happens for a reason. I've had a lot of things that have happened in my life. And I've got to be honest, a lot of them have happened just for my sheer stupidity. Or my disobedience. Or my pride. Or my carelessness. And when I say everything happens for a reason, it's almost like you can believe that somehow God, you know, had his hand in that, and so now it's all working out just according to his plan. I have trouble with that theology. I do. I, I know that things happen, and I know that there's a reason, <laughs> but I'm not always sure it's God's reason. In fact, I'm sure sometimes it's not. But I know through all things, God can work. He can shape us 
into who he wants us to be through the things that happen. But I think a lot of times it requires a deeper honesty about why did that happen to me. Lord, what do I have to learn in this and, and, and why did that happen? I want to read a couple of verses to you that I think some of us are pretty familiar with. Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Now that kind of sounds like everything happens for a reason, right? And we often forget the second part of that or we, maybe, we don't, maybe we do remember it. We just maybe intentionally leave it off. But let me read the second part of that. Who have been called according to his purpose. That's, that's important. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. I'm going to stop right there. Some of you know the rest of that verse, and I'm going to, I'm going to pick it up in a moment. If I was to ask you, what's the one reason that you're here? One reason. Any of you remember the movie um, City Slickers? Curly? One thing. There's just one thing. If I was to ask you, what is the one thing that God has in mind for you? We would come up with lots of different answers. But you know, God is up to one thing in your life. Now, through that one thing, he'll do lots of other things. But there's one thing in particular that he's interested in. I'm going to read it from this book. This is from one of my favorite authors, Ron Mel. Ron Mel is no longer alive. He wrote four books, all of which I absolutely cherish. But this one is called God Works the Night Shift. About God being at work, always on our behalf, even when we can't see him working. He's not up to five things or 15 things or 27 things. His purpose is not to make me a better preacher. His purpose is not to make you a better dad or mom, wife or husband, son or daughter. His purpose is not to transform you into the world's best secretary or cop or teacher or bricklayer or brain surgeon. He's not working in the dark to give you position and prosperity and peace. He's bending his power and his will to one purpose. And that is conforming you and me, his adopted children, to the image of the Lord Jesus. Now he may be pleased and delighted to help you become a wonderful mom or dad or doctor or basketball player or Sunday school teacher. But that's not what he's about. His great objective in your life, the reason he leaves you on earth, is to make you more and more like the eternal Son of God. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's what God's about. You okay with that? Let's see if you stay okay with that. So I've been told that to teach and preach effectively is to ask good questions. Now, nobody ever told me why you should ask good questions, but I think I know the reason why. 
we only truly learn, we only truly listen when we can ask ourselves, what's in it for me? So by presenting a good question, and that sounds selfish, but it's not really selfish. It's just how we engage. We engage when we understand what's in it for me. Jesus, when he taught, asked lots of good questions so that the listeners could perk up and say, ah, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? But I'm going to give a good question, I think, in three parts. What would you change in your life to possess all that God has for you? What would you remove? What would you add? What would you change in your life to possess all that God has for you? What would you remove? What would you add? As a pastor, I have the responsibility to oversee the spiritual growth and development of the followers of Jesus that he places under my care and teaching. The thing is, we don't really have a contractual agreement. Now, if you're a member, you sort of have a contractual agreement, but we really don't have what we would call like a business contractual agreement. In fact, in, in the Western world in particular, in Protestant churches, we, we pretty much have a shopper mentality. Hold on, don't get mad at me, just listen. We come and go. We look for the things that the worship or the pastor or the children's department or the youth group, we look for the things that they provide. And it's not bad. It's not bad to be motivated by that. But you have to understand if you are, motiv if you are motivated by that, to what end? See, if your end is to be happy with what's presented, then you've missed it. But if your end is to be shaped more like Jesus, then you get it. God wants you to be in any church that you can be shaped more like Jesus within that context. And if you're honestly seeking him, that will be your motivation. It won't be to be happy. It's kind of hard to understand, but God's not that interested in our happiness. I got a little agreement on that. We hear preaching about our happiness all the time. God wants you to be the best you that you can be. Well, if the best you that you can be is within the context of being more like Jesus, then amen to that. But if the best you that you can be isn't that, then we're just preaching a gospel of happiness. And that's not going to carry us through the hard times. So when we get unhappy, we look for a new place to consume. And it's a terrible model for real meaningful growth. Because, like I said, it doesn't have anything to do with happiness. And if you think it is about your happiness, you need to read what Paul's experience was. Read in Acts chapter 9, which we talked about before. Read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 11, and especially the second half of chapter 11. This wasn't a happy journey. But it was a journey with Jesus where Paul was being shaped more and more to be like Jesus. And he said more than once, I have not already attained, I have not already reached everything that God's calling me to be, everything that God's calling me to do, my words, but I press on to what he's called me to See, following Jesus is kind of a serious thing, too. 
And I'm playing with my rings. Somebody told me I do that when I get nervous. I'm, I'm not nervous. I am a little scared telling you these words, though. So I'm calling this an outline for a congregation living and walking in the Holy Spirit. There are six points that I'm just going to read to you, but then we'll, we'll flesh them out some more, and then um, we'll focus on them with more words. Submission to Jesus, submission to church leadership, unity, integrity, humility, and maturity. Now, unity, integrity, humility, and maturity could be flipped in any order, but I had to put them in some order. And we never arrive at any of those. We're always working on all of those. But the two at the beginning are absolutely in the correct order. Submission to Jesus and submission to church leadership. And some of us just cringe at that word submission. And that's because really it's been abused. We have to be honest about that too. I'm going to have more to say about that in just a little bit. So there are a crazy number of slides coming up. And it's a good thing we're here until 2 o'clock. So here we go. They're saying, forget you, man. We're flinging the doors open at 12.05 at the latest. All right. John 14, if you love me, starting at verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. John 15, this is the famous vine passage that we may be familiar with. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So our first point is submission to Jesus. His will, character, and purpose in our life. And here's the hard part. There's no room for personal agenda. I was out on my... I, it's so hard to talk about this. I was out on my bike. Not that, that part's easy, but the hard part is what's to come. I was out on my bike on Friday. Beautiful day. And I was out for two hours and 45 minutes. Not that it matters, but it does sound cool, doesn't it? Two hours. And, and um, as, I was, as I was riding, I've seen the same scenery because I ride in the same place. And it's always beautiful. And there are things that change. But as I was out, I, I thought of somebody that I knew who's no longer alive. I thought of him, uh, you know, by name. And I... I just thought, Lord, I did not represent you to him. 
He's gone. I failed. I'm so sorry. And I repented. Unfortunately, I wasn't crying like I'm about to, but I, I, I repented. And um, the Lord was gracious to me. He said, um, Greg, you weren't the only one. You weren't the only one that had a voice in his life. And I thanked him for that. But it helped me understand something that by now I should have figured out. I have let my culture, our culture, have control over the kingdom culture in my life too many times. I need to understand my culture as my context. It's the context in which I operate, but I operate according to the kingdom. I'm one of those kind of people that can talk to anybody about anything, anytime. You want to talk about music? I can talk rock and roll. You want to talk about motocross? I can have that conversation. You want to talk about baseball? I'm the world, probably the world's worst baseball player, but I can talk stats in baseball. I get it. You want to talk about football? Sorry. Um, no. <laughs> Basketball, forget about it, right? No, but I can talk about cycling to a cyclist. I can talk about hunting to a hunter. I can talk about mechanics to a mechanic. I can talk about anything because I understand a lot about a lot of things. But the thing that I should be the best at is following Jesus. The thing that you should be the best at is following him. All those other things are a part of my life and they're, they're important, sure. They, they may be the things that connect me to someone else, but they're not the things that should motivate me. What should motivate me is becoming more and more like Jesus. Submission to him. And my agenda goes away. At least we're getting there. Let's move on to submission to church leadership. Now, these are two verses you probably never heard from a platform or pulpit before in your life, but you'll see the connection. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. And then Hebrews 13, 7 and 8, 8 we know pretty well, and verse 17 Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. As those who must give an account. That's what the Lord spoke to me as I was out on my bike. It's like... Greg, you have to give an account. Now, God doesn't hold me to any higher standard than he holds you. He holds us to the same standard because we're being shaped in the image of Jesus, but he holds me to higher account. We have the same standard of behavior, but we have a different accountability. I think about that. Submission to church leadership, that has to do with those to whom God has given authority and responsibility. And I want to talk about something that's hard, but it's a family matter, and I'm a four-score person through and through. I accepted Jesus as an eight-year-old in a four-score church in Crescent City. I've been in and around four-score churches my whole life, 
So it means a lot to me when, when the Fourscore Church fails. And so this is, a, this is a business matter that came up in Orlando when we were there, but it's important to bring it to all of our attention because it has to do with submission to leadership. And if we're going to learn and grow, we have to know how to submit to leadership. But we have to have leadership that's, first of all, submitted to Jesus and walks in a way that shows our submission to him. So there was a failing at the Ignite Discipleship. Uh, I don't know if it was called Ignite Discipleship Academy or whatever it was called, but it was held on the, on the Foursquare campus in Christiansburg, Virginia. And that is a, it's a four... It's gone back and forth between being a Foursquare, like Life Bible College and, and not. But at this time, it was, it was an, a, kind of like a separate academy occupying the space. But it was overseen as the, pre, the president was a Foursquare pastor. And I know this man. And from about 2009 to 2019, he was involved in some really toxic leadership. He was arrogant. He was overbearing. He was disrespectful he was not following Jesus in his character and his nature and he even violated some very serious boundaries regarding uh, relationship with uh, male female relationship it was mostly in the realm of uh, innuendos and comments and things that were just very very inappropriate and so it wasn't dealt with the way that we should deal with those things. It wasn't dealt with in a way with, from the organizational standpoint that should have uh, been life-giving. Instead, it was life-destroying. And so it came to light, and that person was dismissed. But then, because Foursquare was listening, I believe, to the Holy Spirit, they said, oh, this is a bigger problem. We really need to get somebody to really take a look at this, and we need to own up to wherever we have failed. And so they had a third party come in and do basically an investigation into this. And I'm going to read some points really quickly about what they had to say following this investigation. Actions taken against leadership abuse as Foursquare moves toward a culture of health. The following actions were shared with Foursquare ministers on June 1st, 2022 during Foursquare Connection. This is what we heard. This is, when, this is when I heard it. This is when six of us who went to Orlando heard it. These include next steps regarding a culture of health against leadership abuse of any kind. Listen fast. Foursquare has formed a safeguarding team with a leaning towards a victim viewpoint at the recommendation of an outside group. Foursquare is developing and refining definitions for the emerging topic of leadership abuse. Third point, Foursquare is retooling, and the, retooling the credentialing process to enhance our assessment of licensee candidates. Fourth, Foursquare is working on refreshing the minister misconduct review process. Fifth, Foursquare has developed a, quote, reader that provides a starting point, not final. In other words, it's in process. As we pray, discern, and consult with experts to clarify language and definitions. Next. Foursquare Cabinet heard presentations and discussed the topic of leadership abuse and abuse of power in its March 2022 meeting. And the last one, 
Foursquare sent a public statement against leadership abuse of any kind to all licensed ministers on April 1st, 2022. If you want more about what actually happened, if you want more about this topic of what Foursquare is doing against leadership abuse, I encourage you to come to any of us. We can direct you towards how to find out more. I, I'm not going to spend any more time on this. We simply don't have time right now. But I wanted you to know that when we talk about submission to leaderships, we are committed as your leaders, the six pastors on staff and the rest who have contact with people, we are committed to walking as transparently and as humbly as we know how to do with Jesus helping us do it every step of the way. And we are submitting ourselves not only to uh, accountability amongst the staff and the pastoral leadership, but accountability with you, of course. So as we're in a season where we need to know how to walk and grow as a church in very trying times, and if we can't trust leadership, I don't know who we can trust. So we have, you know what I'm saying, we have to, we have to get this right. And so we are all walking in a way that's going to do a better job. Okay? Moving on. All right. So I want to talk about unity. Uh, John 17, 20 through 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And then Matthew twenty twenty-five through 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many Parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Unity comes not just because we say we need to walk in unity or we need to be unified, okay? Unity grows from a willingness to put others first. That's how we walk in unity. Jesus made it so clear. He, he lived it out in front of the disciples so that when he left, they could know that model so that they could lay down their lives for one another. And as we do that, we become unified because we're not walking in our own ego. We're not walking in our own pride. We're walking in humility with our Lord. And as we walk in humility with our Lord, Tools. He's reminding me that I may not be the perfect tool for the job, but I'm the tool that he has in his hand. And so are you. Don't let your pride say, I'm not good enough, I'm not big enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not whatever enough. But help his Holy Spirit, when His Holy Spirit prompts you by saying, you know everything about me, but I'm here. 
and you can use me. I may not be the perfect fit, but as I walk with you, you'll shape me into a better and better fit to do what you have for me to do. He's still working on me, obviously. (laughs) I say that because I know my flaws, I know my faults, and so do many of you. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. But in the midst of his work, let him use you. Be useful to him. And then we'll walk in unity, and then people will know who Jesus is. They'll be drawn to him. All right. Wow. Okay, here we go. Only an hour and a half left. Yes. Integrity. We want to talk about integrity. Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. And then from Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 9, and 11, 3. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Integrity is related to this word integration, uh, integration of oneself, and it extends to one's role in the body as we walk in an integrated way. You've probably heard this said before when you talk about integrity. Integrity is what you do when no one's watching. You can, you can kind of flip that, too. Um, you could also say what you do when everyone is watching, make sure that's the same thing you do when no one is watching. Yeah. I didn't have the best training as a child. I had a, kind of, I was a free-range child. And so I didn't have a lot of um, control or input from my parents. And because of that, I, I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. Um, but I want to still give you this example. This is what somebody told me one time, and I thought, yeah, it's not going to work in my example, in my, in my life, but for most people, it'll work. If you're wondering whether you should do something, just ask if you would do it if your mom was watching. <laughs> I'm just saying it was one that was given to me. It kind of works for a lot of people. Yeah. Let's move on. Humility. Oh, by the way, is anybody in here can raise your hand? You're humble. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch anyone. Oh, I caught some people on that one before. I, you know, as I was riding my bike the other day, like I was talking about, and I knew that, that humility was one of the topics, I was just thinking, you know, who's as humble as I am, Lord? Is there anyone? Like, who, 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 else, who else could it be? And then, and then last night, uh, because we don't film on Saturday night now, um, as somebody, I, I was thinking, there. well, I can think of one person who's truly humble. I, I really can. And, and because we're filming, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't say anybody's name, Sandy Case. But, but, but because, um, because I was thinking of this example of a humble person, Sandy Case, and, and that person was um, in here, uh, I, was, I, I was able to just give her a hug, Sandy Case, and just say, you know, because... You, you've met some people that are naturally humble, right? But they're, they're kind of rare. But um, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know 
those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then Second Peter three, seventeen and eighteen. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Humility. Humility is evidenced by a willingness to be taught, confronted, corrected, and trained. Not, those, those are hard words. But that is a true expression of humility. If you are able to be taught and confronted and corrected and trained. Now let's move on to maturity, and we're wrapping it up. Maturity. This is one of my favorite, favorite passages of Scripture when we get to verse 5. But it's so good. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now raise your hand if you want to participate in the divine nature. I hope every hand goes up. If you want to participate in the divine nature, yes, amen to that. For this very reason, so you can participate in the divine nature for this very reason, and to escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So those things aren't, you don't fill up one bucket and move on to the next bucket to the next bucket. And Peter makes that clear because he says, in increasing measure. We're working on all of those together and God's developing those qualities in us as we follow him. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the last passage, Galatians 5, 22 through 26. These are the gifts. It's the gift passage. We really talk usually about 22 and 23, but I thought, thought that the 24, 25, and 26 were important. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you know that crucifixion is a pretty brutal thing? Yeah, crucified the flesh. That's quite an image. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, which we talked about in that leadership thing we talked about. We could so easily become conceited. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Maturity. Maturity is evidenced by godly character and bearing lasting fruit. I do believe that if we will seek Him, seek His Spirit, look to one another, help one another, we can walk as Jesus walked. Amen.